This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, does selling your home stress feel overwhelming? Well, it doesn't have to be that way with Scott Vinson from Caldwell Banker Royalty Realty. Scott is the perfect guy to help you sell or buy your home. Scott has always been a San Diego County gun owner, board member from the start. So if you're moving let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott Vinson help you sell your home and find your new home away in the United States. Call him today at 619-948-2459. Tell him you heard it about uh, all about it on Gun Owners Radio. Again, give Scott a call, 619-948-2459, or just go online to Scott Vinson, that's F-V-I-N-S-O-N.com. All right, what do you got today? Hey, did you guys check out the uh, the Magnum interview we did Thursday? We was able to tune in. Uh, no, Jack I Wilson? was not in town. It was cool. Where were you? Uh, where was it? L.A. Oh, what were you doing up there? Car stuff. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we interviewed. But uh, I heard it was good. Uh, I've talked to a couple of people that have actually seen it. Yeah, it was cool. Jackson, did you see it? Were you able to check it out? No. As he looks no. over his no. shoulder. You had. A, I know you have a busy schedule, so you probably weren't able to to tune in. That might have been uh, Thursday. Isn't that the day you shoot? No, it's Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jack Wilson, it was very, very interesting. Um, I thought it was actually pretty fascinating. He was the guy from the uh, the Texas church uh, shooting that he, who put an end to it. And it was it was really fascinating. Uh, did, you, were you, did you check it out at all, Joe? No, I thought about it about an hour before, and then I thought about it again about an hour after it was over. But fortunately, <laughs> it's going to be posted, so I'll be able to watch yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to post it. He he, he is, uh, that guy is made of granite. Isn't it already posted? No, not yet. Oh, I thought it was. Um, he was, uh, I mean, talk about it. I mean, he was so matter of fact and so um, just like unflappable. I mean, it's not surprising. One of the I'll tell you just an interesting tidbit to if you haven't seen it, just to kind of whet your appetite, is he has so it's like a forty-two or forty-three foot shot, headshot that he made to stop this this heinous monster that was uh killing people, um, which is horrible and tragic. Uh but forty what, forty three feet, I think, right? Does that sound right, Joe? Forty three feet? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, I hadn't heard I I heard it was a little bit closer than that, but that's still almost fifteen yards. That's uh yeah, under that under stress, not bad. Right, so he has practiced that. So it was one shot. Uh, it was a headshot, and it was perfect. Um, and he and it ended everything right there. Boom, done. Stopped the carnage. It was absolutely amazing. One of the interesting things that he talked about in the interview is that he's practiced that shot since, and only made like on a on a you know on a range under a controlled environment without the stress of you know uh, of a mass shooter. 
and he only makes that shot about 70, 80% of the time. Wow. Yeah, see, and that's what I was saying, too, because a lot of these these guys are saying, oh, I could make that shot. It's not that far. And it's, no, but he did it when he had to right. under that situation. You know, it's right. not – yeah, you can make it a lot of times at the range, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, can you do it when you have to? Well, I just thought it was interesting. I, think it was, I thought it was interesting that he has, that he practices it since, that he's, you know, tried to do it since, and that he, he really makes – he only makes about eight out of ten times, you know. Um, but this guy, like you said, he, he made it when he had to, and it was uh, – it was amazing. It was a really, really interesting interview. He was just so matter-of-fact about everything. Pretty calm, cool, and collected, right? Extremely. Yeah, Extremely. you can see that, too. If you watch the, the, the actual church video, the shooting, um, you can see he's really I – mean, there, there, it yeah. doesn't look like there's a lot of you know nervousness or anything like that at all. It does, he does look really calm. Yeah, it needed to get done, and he did it. And uh, I think everybody there is uh, blessed and lucky that he was the guy. Yet that other scene. guy could have shot back. Which didn't the other guy have a gun? Uh, the, the the bad guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. He 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 actually murdered two people. Well, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. I mean, he could have very easily been shot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh he yeah. Could have ducked. I mean, I I probably would have ducked. That's the that's the thing is. Uh, and, Did you and ask he, him why he didn't duck? Yeah, and it, so we asked him a lot about his mindset and what was going on in, in his head and that sort of thing. And uh, that, I guess that's what I'm saying is when, when you watch the interview, he's just very matter of fact. It was just like, well, it needed to get done. You know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he's yeah, right, basically, right. you know, it needed to get done. So I did it. Not like, well, you know, I thought this and I had this go through my head and I'd, none of that. It was just I needed to get done. I had the tools to remedy the problem. Yeah. So I remedied it. Well, and that's then, another thing, too, when these people talk about that shot. Oh, I could have done that. I could have done this. Not only did he do it when he had to, but there was a bunch of screaming, running people between him and that target when he shot, too. Yep. So, talked I mean, about that. Talked about like how did he make that decision and what you know what was, you know, and it just all very matter of fact. It, it basically to summarize, although I highly encourage you to uh, watch the the video because you you learn a lot about him, and uh, he was very interesting to talk to, and what a gentleman. Um, and uh, but to summarize, he fell back on his training. I was just gonna say, I think you can base the whole incident on training, 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 training. Yeah. You know, to where it's almost second nature. Yeah. You know, the situation comes up. He knew exactly what to do. He didn't have to think about it. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. So, a yeah. couple shout outs. Shout out to everybody who celebrated Veteran as a Veteran on Thursday. And a big thanks to everybody that thanked a veteran on Thursday and went mm-hmm. to a, a ceremony or a memorial. Whatever. I went to the, the, uh, the I, don't, I don't know if it's called a christening, the, uh, the christening of the memorial in uh, Santee, which is the first. Uh, memorial in the nation to honor all six branches of the military, hmm. including Space Force. What do you think about Space Force? I've, al- I've always liked space, and to hear Space Force, my mind is always on Space Force whenever we talk about it. That's awesome. That's I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> so it was uh, it was a very cool ceremony. Thanks to Dustin Trotter, who was the second member of San Diego County Gun Owners ever, and he's the guy on the Santee City Council was responsible for making sure that uh, Veterans Memorial happened. And, of course, thank you to all the veterans and everybody. Um, shout out. This is an interesting shout out, Dave. You ready for this? We're I'm ready. Gonna, we're going to hear more about this when we have Laura Lothian on a little bit later. Shout out to the guy at the San Diego airport who works at the Lost and Found. Thank you for being a listener. <laughs> thank you for being a supporter of San Diego County Gun Owners. I know you're going to hear this, uh, and I, I uh, and we're going to hear all the details on that from Laura Lothian, who won at the La Mesa City Council race. 
Um, she's gonna she's gonna fill in all the blanks in that story, but it, it's gonna make you guys laugh. Um, and a shout out to John Becker. If you have if you spend any time with San Diego County Gunners, you probably know who John Becker is. Uh, John one he was the uh, tabletop. He does a ton of tabletops at gun shops, Dave. A ton. Um, and uh, he won uh, for I guess this is quarter three. He won the gun. So every quarter we give away a gun to uh, people that have worked tabletops, and he won. He won the gun. So we're gonna. I'm I'm actually meeting him down at Glock store. He's gonna pick out the Glock of his choice. Mm. Um, and that's uh, a huge thanks to John for all the volunteer work that he does. And uh, we'll be that's sure nice. to say hi to Brittany, your friend Brittany at Glock store. Yeah. Yeah, we'll say hi to her, and uh, John's going to get, John Becker's going to, I think this is going to be his first Glock, too. So, mm. yeah, congratulations, John. I know you're listening as well. So, And then the Not Me OC, the Not Me SD OC pepper spray, situation awareness. How did that go Saturday? Oh, it went great. We had a full class. Um, we had uh, a number of moms and daughters together. Uh, we had a husband, so I had to clean up my uh, jokes and stuff. But, um but no, it went really well. Everybody seemed to have a lot of fun. We had uh, a bunch of um, inert uh, sprayers donated to us from Palm, so uh, they got to play with those and check them out and spray each other. So it was uh, it was fun. It went well. It's cool. Well, thanks for doing that. All right. All right. So, hey, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but don't touch that dial. We're going to have competitive shooter Nami. Nami Cannon on the line right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. At 13, some girls do soccer, some girls do softball. This 13-year-old does competition shooting, so get to know Nami Cannon next. But first, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battles after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. So, listeners, you can get a free T-shirt when you use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO. Sign up today. Go to uslawshield.com. So if you're going to have a name like Cannon, I think that there is a very appropriate career path for you, and that is to be a competitive shooter, or either that or maybe go into the military and do artillery. Uh, our next guest, Nami Cannon, is an award-winning USPSA PCC shooter at the ripe old age of 13. Nami, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. We're so excited to have you on the phone talking to us. How did you get yeah, into? Thank com- you for this opportunity. Absolutely. And, and now, I mean, am I right? That's an extremely appropriate name to have if you're a competitive shooter. Cannon. Does that people probably That's bring that up a lot? Coincidence. It's quite the coincidence. Yeah, it kind of is a coincidence there. So, how did you get into shooting? Um. So first, we were just. I think it was around duck season, and we went to Cabela's, and we came across the Mitchellics, and my dad was like oh, I look at Jerry's videos all the time before I get guns. Do you know who he is? And I had no idea. And while he was showing me some of his videos, we came across Lena. And then 
I was like, oh, this is really cool. And my dad had already been nagging at me, nagging at me to like choose a sport. And I was like, oh, I might want to try this. <laughs> so um, exactly from my ninth birthday, my dad went through like four different ranges and he finally found a coach that would teach little nine-year-old mommy. Thank God. <laughs> That's cool. What state are you in? I'm in Texas. You're in Texas? Well, I, I'm surprised. You'd think that. You'd think that they'd be falling all over themselves in Texas to uh, to to teach a young shooter. Were there really people that were concerned about your age? Um, I remember him telling me that I think two just didn't even respond, and then one wasn't interested. And finally, my coach now, Sam Moore, was like, "Yeah, go ahead, take her in." That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, now, what was it like? Your first? Do you remember the first time? So, did you shoot um, before you went and got a coach, or no? You went and got a coach, and that's how you learned to shoot. I mean, like, I assume every shooter, I shot, like, a BB gun in the backyard, but that was mostly it. I shot, like, 22 in, like, property here and there. But other than that, not really. And what are you shooting now? Um, I now predominantly shoot PCC. I mean, what um, kind of fire? Steel Challenge. Oh, um, it's a quarter circle tent, up and low, upper and lower, but it's a lot of other mixed parts. There you go. Wow. <laughs> This, I can't believe, by the way, I can't believe you're 13. This is like, she's like 13 going on 35. This is like talking to, uh, you sound amazingly composed and mature for, for 13, far more composed and mature than I was at 13. Thank you. I would imagine that that probably helps you when you're uh, competing. Yeah, it does because I interact with not a ton of people, but it does help with the people I interact with. So the first my social skills were not good at all when I started. So it was really a confidence builder when I started. Oh, that's interesting. Really? You kind of just kind of, well, I'd imagine everybody's kind of shy at that age. I mean, that's, yeah. The teacher or my parents were concerned. The teacher was like doing, this was like first grade. Like this is how shy I wouldn't even talk in class. She would try to do everything to get me to talk. It helped slightly, but really when I started shooting, that's when it like really boosted my confidence a little more. Wow. I'm not the most confident person now, but it's better than it was. Well, you sure sound confident. So what do you think about it boosted your confidence? Um, I don't know. Just starting to believe in my abilities, knowing I could do something that some people couldn't. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. Do you remember like your first couple of, of uh, lessons? Uh, I remember the first one. I was so nervous to talk to anyone. I went in the bathroom and like cried for five minutes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, I have to shoot. And then he was like, oh, tell me five things about safety. And I sat there and I was like, oh, I don't know. So he taught he taught me like I don't know, 10 things probably. And then we went out and so he was like, oh, show me what you can do. I don't think I could shoot 25 rounds in a row at the time with my little pistol. It's kind of embarrassing. Well, it sounds like you did better. You're crying in the bathroom for five minutes. I got to tell you, when I was... I think I was just a little younger than you. I begged my parents to put me in uh, a Taekwondo class. And uh, my mom signed me up and uh, told me, okay, we're going. And uh, I, I started bawling my eyes out. I was so scared. I want to go. And uh, ended up not going. I ended up not, and I totally regret that. Um, I didn't take any kind of self-defense for, for years after that. So it sounds like you, you did a great job. You did an awesome job. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I actually think I did Taekwondo for around a year or so. I don't remember any of it. <laughs> well, you did way better than I did. You know, we actually have a, a, a competitive shooter here in the studio 
who is eight, eight years old. Well, you haven't you haven't done competitions yet, right? Have you done a competition, Jackson? Not yet. He's eight years old. He goes once a week, and he shoots a. What do you shoot? What do you currently shoot? I am currently shooting a nine millimeter forty eight. Glock forty eight. What what advice do you have for an eight year old? He's starting right around the same age you did. What advice do you have for him? I mean, he's doing better than I was shooting a nine millimeter at eight. I didn't start shooting until like two, three years ago, so he's already doing better than I did. <laughs> well, what um, what's made you? Uh, what what what's something that you have done that's made you successful? Um, just consistency with practice and starting small. I mean. You never really want to branch off into more guns than you can handle and always stay sharp on your skills. And do you, do you shoot uh, Do you shoot all three disciplines? Do you shoot pistol, rifle, shotgun, or, or do you have a, uh, a particular – what's your favorite? To be honest, I know this is going to sound really bad, but I really hate pistols. <laughs> when I did them in Steel Challenge, I was horrible with them. My friends were way better than I was. And when my dad was like, oh, do you want to shoot USPSA? USPSA? And I was like, yeah. And I shot a PCC, and I was like, oh, thank God there's a rifle here because mm-hmm. I do not want to shoot pistol. <laughs> do you just not like it, or you just aren't, you haven't developed that skill yet? I mean, I, I was okay. I think I got to, like, A or B class with my pistols when I did Steel Champ, so I wasn't awful. It was just I had the preference for a rifle. I was a lot faster. I think I made Grandmaster with my limited rifle, so obviously I like that one a lot better. That's amazing. You know, I, so you're 13. So what are you, in like seventh grade? Um, yeah, I'm in eighth grade. Eighth grade, sorry. So, you know, right around that age, everyone, that's like, that's right when people transition to, um, you, you know, right before that, right before you turn 12, 13, right in there. And everybody's just out on the playground playing, whatever. And then right at that age, everyone's trying to be cool. That's when people. That's when kids discover cool. There's like you know, you strive to be cool. You strive to, you know, uh, be the be the cool kid in school or whatever. Being a competitive shooter, being a champion, nonetheless, has. Pro- I mean, what's that done for your for your school life? That must be. You must be the coolest kid in school. Honestly, it's not that I'm embarrassed of it. I don't really tell anyone. There's never been a negative reaction, but it's. No one really cares. I mean, yes, it's a little more odd than soccer, but when you tell someone you do soccer, no one's like, oh, my God, that is amazing. Let me see videos. No one really cares. So it hasn't really done much. I would tell everybody in the world. I would tell the entire <laughs> planet if I were you. I would, be, it would, I would print it on a T-shirt and just walk around and just you know tell strangers. I think that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I've been at the same like school district for nine years, and I think maybe ten people know. I don't. I don't really. I'm not super vocal about it. Do you now? Do you? Of course, you live in Texas. It's a little bit different environment than it is here in California. But do you? Uh, do you feel? Do you have to kind of you know put a lid on it and not talk about it in school? Or uh, like, is there a fear of of uh, you know being judged or anything? No, not really. Um, this one kid I told we did a school shooter drill, and he's like, "I wish Nami was in my class." So. <laughs> He's like, oh, she'd know what to do. So it's <laughs> lighthearted, you know, nothing. No one's scared that I've told. Like I said, I've never had, like, a super negative reaction to it. Yeah. Do you, Now, do you do you have brothers and sisters that shoot, or are you the only one? 
Um, I'm the only one that does competition shooting. My brother does wrestling and judo, so he's always occupied with practicing for those. But when we do make it out to the range, he does shoot from time to time. Do you do, you do any hunting? Um, I used to. I don't like it as much as I used to. Oh, really? I think the guts are kind of nasty. Like, the skinning and gutting process, I couldn't get over it. You know, I'm with so you on my, that. I... <laughs> I got to tell you, guts are kind of nasty. Jackson and I agree there, right? Guts, generally nasty, right, Jackson? Very. Yeah, yeah, we're with you on that one. So what did you, what did you was it deer hunting, or what kind of hunting did you do? Um, Deer hunting, I think we went duck hunting a few times, but other than those two, that's about it. So what do people say when they do find out you shoot guns? Um, oh, that's cool, or... Either they just say cool and kind of walk away, or they say what kind of like gun do you shoot? Not that they were super educated on it, but you know, I just put the caliber because like I feel like generally everyone knows like a popular caliber. Now, do you? How does it work? Like when you're at home, I imagine you have you know, of course, designated uh, times that you go to the range and, and and practice, right? How much do you practice typically? Um. So it's probably bad, but I don't practice as much as I probably should because um, our home range, which we don't really have a membership to, we can't get out there very often. So my actual live fire practice is local matches. At home, I'll do reloads and maybe some footwork drills. But other than that, I'm pretty limited because I can't actually fire. That's interesting. Now, do you have access to your firearms or how does that work if you're – um, I didn't have I didn't have guns. Uh, my, you know, my dad had guns uh, when I was growing mm-hmm. up, but I didn't have any firearms um, until uh, I was an adult. How, do, how does it work in in your house? Do you, do you have, do you, are you able to? How does how does access to your firearms work? Funny thing is, the safe is actually in my room because we couldn't find any space to put it in the house. So it's like two feet away, and I could open the safe, but I don't plan on doing anything they know i don't plan on doing anything with it so it's not like dangerous i just keep it locked go into it when you need to and check the gun always you know never put a loaded gun into the safe and you'll be fine that's awesome seriously i don't this is not like talking to a 13 year old is it dave she's she's a better interview than most of the adults we've (laughs) that we talk to you're doing a fantastic job all right well thank you yeah absolutely we're, we're, here's what we're going to do. We're, we got to go to a commercial break, and then when we come back, we're going to ask you uh, a lot more questions. How's that sound? All right. Thank you. Okay. Hang on for just a minute. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM folks welcome back to gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer hey our freedom of speech is just as important as our freedom of self-defense we are thrilled to support an american company like my pillow go to mypillow.com and use promo code free market three and you can get up to 66 percent off america's best pillow get a great night's sleep and enjoy the satisfaction of supporting companies Fighting against cancel culture. That's mypillow.com and use the free 
the code free market three for up to a 66% discount. How cool is that? That's cool. All right. We're talking to Nami Cannon, award-winning USPSA PCC shooter. And she's telling us all about her competitive shooting and uh, how successful she's been. Uh, so what are, what are some of the other things? What are some of your other hobbies that, that aren't shooting? Every once in a while, I'll cook. Din- I mean, I enjoy cooking. I'll cook dinner sometimes. Um, I've started collecting manga lately. My dad got me the first three volumes of this show I really liked. And from that point on, up until last week, I just finished the series because I think there was like 23 books to it. So I enjoy collecting and reading manga. Wow, that's awesome. And when you, what, what, what's your favorite dish? What do you like to cook? Um, it's this dish. It's like a southwesterny lasagna called King's Ranch Chicken. I think it's so good. It's probably horrible for you. Well, it's, but it's, sounds delicious. It's, you just said some of my favorite it, things there. It's an easy recipe, I think. Um, oh, it's, it's cream of mushroom, rotel, onions, bell peppers, tortillas chicken and cheese and it's you layer it like lasagna and Nothing wrong yeah, there. Like yeah. I said, it's basically southwestern lasagna those are a few of my favorite things that sounds delicious <laughs> that's awesome um i'm sure you could find it on the internet or something i know i'm seriously i'm, I'm gonna look up the uh the recipe and uh <laughs> see what i can find now is there now is there a gun that you that you want let me let me actually phrase that a different way has is it more about have you gotten into the actual hardware like are you into firearms and this gun's cool and that gun's not cool and you know here's a gun i really 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 want or is it more about the the competition and the guns are just the tool um to me it's more about the competition my dad's pretty into building ars i think he's built like four at this point my biggest thing is just like the appearance nothing nothing else there's not a specific specific gun i really want but yeah it's just the looks are you sponsored by anybody um yeah i'm sponsored by notch gear they're a veteran-owned business they make amazing hats um my amazing looking hand guards and smoke composites they make great products out of carbon fiber so if you want anything light for your gun i go to them and then i have my newest sponsor stand one armory they make super reliable ammo i've had no problems with it I'm talking to a 13 year old. That was the you. You're that was like a commercial. That was awesome. You did a great job. And so Thank they, you. yeah. So th- those sponsorships allow you to compete. Do you travel a lot to compete? Um, I'm not as confident in my um, PCC abilities as I was in my steel challenge because I thought that that's a lot easier. I in my mind it is. Um, so I've just been going to comp- competitions in Texas or like neighboring states. So do you, like on the weekends, you go to like some informal competitions to, to practice and then you go to like more, you know, qualifying and more formal uh, competitions to, to, to place that, that, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, my, like I said, my practices are basically my local matches like this is one of the first weekends or not one of the first but to this weekend i've had off because i went to like three straight matches before this now when you go to like the local ranges and and you pull up and there's like 30 uh you know old white guys like me and (laughs) and you pull up and and you mop the floor and and come in I'm, i'm assuming in like the top 10 
you know, what's that? What's the reaction? What's that like? Uh, I don't think I've gotten top 10 very much, but um, this, I think, like two matches ago or so, I'm not sure. I was saying, like, oh, this, this, and this is going to be like top four. And that guy actually ended up being six, and I was seventh. So I was like, hey, don't forget about me. <laughs> but I'm assuming they all kind of underestimate you. They now, you know, here's a kid just, you know, trying this out. Maybe it's their first competition or whatever. And then you, you blow their socks off. That must be a really good feeling. <laughs> I mean, I feel like. At local matches, I shoot so many that people know me. I mean, I, it's not like I have some common name. My name's pretty weird. <laughs> Your name's so. pretty weird? So, so, yeah. Nami, so, Nami, let me ask you a question. You know, When you go to these local matches and even the larger matches, are there any other shooters in your age group, or are you one of the very few? Um. I'm probably the youngest one there. If there is a junior, I think I saw one. He looked about 15, 16-ish, and honestly, I wasn't even sure if he was shooting. So do you have any kind of an issue going to these competitions? Do they have age limits? Um, There is, like, a junior's division, but the thing is it's, like, an automatic win because no one's in that division. So. I really have to go for like top women's, top PCC, and then like the overall. Okay, so so that probably because of that you don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, I do. I mean, there's only four or five women, and just because they're older than me doesn't mean I don't want to win. So. Okay. How do you deal with the pressure? Do you do you do you end up do you put a lot of pressure on yourself? I think. I think I do. I mean, I just like. I'm, like, shaking before all the stages, but I just breathe in and out, and then I don't remember any of it when I start shooting. Yeah, I get into sports, competition. That it's, I think it's enormously important for kids growing up to experience what you just described. I remember, you know, uh, before a football game or going out, uh, you know, to on a wrestling match, especially wrestling, when, you know, the spotlight's on you and it's you and one other guy, and, you know, every mistake is right there, but that yeah. – that feeling of like I don't want to be here, I don't want to do this. You know, I'm I'm extremely nervous, but then overcoming it and doing it and doing it well, I think is enormously helpful. You know, and, and uh, what, what's how do you what do you do to deal with nerves? Um, so sometimes I'll drink coffee before the match, which is really not great for me. But especially when I'm first, I get super shaky, so I just breathe in and out, close my eyes, and then try to memorize all the movements for the stage because that's how you know you've got it down when you can close your eyes and memorize all the movements. So I like to do that right before I go up, breathe in and out, look at the stages, and then put the gun on my belt and look at the first target I'm going to shoot. I used to, when I first, I'd go into like these, you know, these local uh, competitions too. And the ones I'd, I'd, I'd uh, do most often were like IDPA style, you know, pistol uh, style. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a buddy of mine uh, who who I always went with, and he was really good. So I would try to go behind him, and I would memorize his cadence. So if there were like eight shots, you know, I'd you know mm-hmm. like bam, 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 you know, and then I would I'd memorize that cadence, and I'd try to imitate it when it was my turn. <laughs> That's how I'd. Oh I'd, yeah. Sometimes I'll go behind the master class and. GM shooters and 
see what they're going to do. But a lot of times they're shooting pistols, so it doesn't really correlate to me. So if they're going to shoot in the high pour, I'm usually shorter than them and shooting a rifle. So I'll squat down a little bit and go in the low pour. If someone's shooting super close to the target, I've got a big gun. i got to step back a little bit. So I look at what they're doing, but I can tweak it to the point where it's like comfortable for me to shoot. Wow. So what's your favorite out of all the, the competing that you've done? What's your, what was your favorite moment? Um, so this is kind of a mixture of my happiest and saddest moment, probably. Hmm. Um, it's when I went to the world or world rimfire or something for scale challenge. Um, while I did place third, um, I was happy about that. I lost first by five seconds and I knew I did because I lost count on one of my strings and didn't shoot the stop plate. So I ended up getting a 30 instead of maybe a 15. So, yeah, I think about that a lot, about how I could have gotten first at Worlds. <laughs> really, so you just, you just think about it like it just comes up when you're daydreaming, like, man, if I'd have just – there's a lot yeah, of – Yeah, if I had just <laughs> kept up with that shot. Because I was going for the stop play, and then I went to shoot, and that was it. I think we all have those. But Joe, don't we all have those moments, not just in shooting too. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and especially in shooting. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's very, very cool. What a pleasure it is speaking to you. Uh, you're so well-spoken. Um, you, you had a, such an interesting journey. Where do you think it goes from here? Um, keep competing, keep practicing, trying to get better. I mean, improvement is one of the best parts about this sport because especially when you feel like you're in a lull and not improving because I – had that like a month ago where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing any better. If anything, I'm getting worse. And for some reason, my dad switched my lower to clock max and these past four matches, I've done a lot better. So it was a nice thing that I could do better and that wasn't like my worst. Do you, now, do you think that there's a, uh, a path to doing this professionally or, or what, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I don't know if I want to do this cause I feel like it's quite a, beating when you're outside all day hmm. um probably like marketing management that's something i'd like to do that's interesting wow have you ever thought about doing marketing for a uh, southern california second amendment organization because uh, i mean if you let me work from home maybe <laughs> <laughs> she's already negotiating her i like it i like it now so for you like you, you were saying hey this is a it's a hobby it's a sport it's something you do for fun uh, you've definitely gained a lot from it. Uh, do you think about the the politics of of gun ownership and the Second Amendment? Is that is that something you're particularly aware of or interested in, or is it really truly that hey, this is just a sport and something I do for fun? To me, it's just a sport. I'm not super into politics. I find it really boring. My friends super into it, but I'm like, man, I can't watch all that stuff. It's just kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nami, I, it was extremely interesting talking to you. Is there? Do you have? Are you? Do you have like a public page that people could follow your your competitions or anything like that, or anything you want to promote? Mm -hmm. You can follow me on Instagram at Nami underscore shoots three six five. Nami underscore shoots three sixty five on 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 Instagram. All right, cool. You gonna follow her, Jackson? I think so, and I think I might just do now. There you go. Good job. What's your Instagram? Do you remember? 
Service dog underscore chase. Service dog underscore chase on Instagram. All right, awesome. Well, Nami, thank you very much. What an interesting interview. Keep up the good work. I I, I think we'll probably have you back on in the future and uh, you know see how you're progressing and uh, and uh, thank you so much. Got to bring in a gun prom. Yeah. Well, yeah. We have a, so we have a big huge gala every year. Um, like a thousand people, and we raffle off no, guns. No, no, no. And, yeah, no. nine hundred ninety-nine people. Uh, we raffle off guns, and uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's 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 actually called the Second Amendment Celebration Dinner, but it got nicknamed Gun Prom because we all dress <laughs> up, and yeah. So so we'll have to we'll have to see if you'd be interested in coming out to Gun Prom sometime. We will see. <laughs> awesome. When's the last time you were in San Diego? Um, it's been a while since I've traveled out of Texas, honestly. Yeah, see, you'd like San Diego. I might. I'd yeah. have to go. We have an ocean. <laughs> we do have an ocean. Well, Texas has an ocean. She just, I, I don't know. know, I don't know if she lives close to it. You live close to the ocean? Um, I think the closest one is like six hours away, so not super yeah. close. Yeah. Oh, Come man. to San Diego. There you go. Ours is way ours is way closer. That's yeah. the one thing San Diego has. It's way closer. Way like closer. Thirty minutes tops. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for calling in. It was awesome. We'll uh, definitely look forward to chatting with you down the road. Yeah. Thank you for letting me talk to you guys. Our pleasure. All right, folks. Don't go anywhere. La Mesa City Council Member Laura Lothian is going to be on the line, and she's going to tell us all about how she traveled down that trail to become a new. La Mesa City Council member right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. So how do you know when the opposition knows they're weak? When they never talk about the issues? Because they're calling everybody a race. Oh, oh, sorry. That's not written here. That's it? not on the script. Um, Laura Lothian is uh, on the line to talk about her victory in the special election for La Mesa City Council. But first, we want to give a special thanks to Christy at U.S. Law Shield for helping to set up the interview with Jack Wilson, who is a member of U.S. Law Shield. Stories of good guys with a gun never get as much play in mainstream media as anti-guns stories. Jack Wilson is a hero that stopped the killer in White Settlement, Texas, back in 2019. Last Thursday, we got a chance to hear his story and learn from him. So if you missed the live interview with Jack, don't worry. You can watch the replay on YouTube or Facebook. And don't forget to support our partner, U.S. Law Shield, to protect yourself in the legal battle after your self-defense battle. And when can we watch that on YouTube and Facebook? Coming up. Like a week. A okay. week? Something like that. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. It's all yours. <laughs> awesome. So we had a, uh, uh, you know, we've been talking for, since the beginning, since the beginning of San Diego County Gun Owners on how important it is to elect local officials and how important the steps are. You can't just talk about it. Um, you can't just vote. You know, you have to do the things it takes to win. And what better example than La Mesa's special election where we got our endorsed candidate uh, uh, elected over over four or five other competitors. And we're very, very proud, very, very happy. Laura, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? Good. So congratulations, council member. 
<laughs> you can call me Councilwoman. I like that. And it's not quite yet. Uh, it hasn't been certified, but it's going to be probably this coming week. Okay, awesome. And then you'll uh, uh, when do you get when do you actually when do you actually take take office? When does that when do you get sworn in? Okay. I've been told I'm going to be sworn in on the 23rd. I'm getting sworn in by Zoom, which is such a disappointment. Uh, And I asked the city manager, I go, when are we going to start meeting in person again? And apparently the city council votes every 30 days. And so far for over a year and a half, they've been voting to keep it uh, as a Zoom. Um, They're going to vote again December 7th. And if I'm on the city council, I'm going to vote to bring it back in person. We need to have the people in La Mesa able to talk to their city council representatives. That's cool. That's very cool. What now? What was the? Do, do we? We, don't, do we have. It's not certified, but what? What was the final number? How much of a of a margin did you beat everybody by? It's it's kind of, it's pretty much a blowout. It was like forty uh, percent, uh, almost forty percent for me, and then second place was twenty percent, uh, and third place was like twenty percent. So um, we did. Extre- it was a blowout. We did extremely well, and it was because of your guys. San Diego County gun owners, Republican Party of San Diego, Carl DeMaio, Reform California. But I'll tell you this, the most diehard help came from the San Diego County gun owners. You have a guy named Reuben. He came to my office and he picked up two Laura Lincoln for city council signs. He put one on the front of his motorcycle and he put one on the back of his motorcycle. And he spent days running his bike all over La Mesa, just going, you know, just going, woohoo, Laura Lothian with his sign everywhere. I, I just couldn't believe it. That's Ruben. Awesome. Good job, Ruben. That was Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> and then I told you about the lost and found guy. Okay, right so, after the election, I, so Laura, I got to tell you, I was, I, we did a, I did a little shout out to him at the beginning of the show. And I said that you were going to fill in the, de- the details. So give us the, give us the details there. What happened? Well, the day after the election, I took off to my youngest daughter's wedding in Annapolis, and I left my phone at a kiosk, and I didn't have it for five days. So I missed all of these congratulations, including one from you. And when I went to Lost and Found, there was a young guy there, a young security guard, and he goes, hey, Michael Schwartz, you're my man. He called you. <laughs> He's just like, I love their radio show. And he was like so thrilled to give me my phone. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so there you go. Well, congratulations. What uh, what what does the future look like for for uh, uh, you know what, what would you like? What's the first thing you want to get after you you bring every after you vote to get them to meet in person? What, what what's your first move going to be? Well, uh, the city manager is going to have me. Uh, he's going to introduce me to every single department head, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to start doing you know my groundwork. I have to know what I'm doing. I've been private sector my entire life, and so I got to learn really quickly how government works. Uh, and um, everything I do, every time I'm at a city council meeting, my first thought is always going to be what I'm about to vote on. Is this good for La Mesa? Is this good for La Masons? After being in real estate for 20 years, I'm very, very, very much a stickler for fiduciary duty. And my obligations and duty are not to outsiders. They're not to to global issues. They're to La Masons. And that's going to be my focus for everything. And and this is not it's not a full time position, right? No, it's it isn't. You meet uh, twice a month, but you know, just like anything, if you want to do it right, it's going to consume a ton of your time. So yeah. I'm not going to quit my full time job. Uh, so I'm just gonna, I'm just adding a lot more to my plate. Um, but I you know I want to make sure I do everything right. So yes, it's going to be a lot more than just part time. That's actually where I was going with that. Is you, you're one of the hardest working people I know. Um, you know, you put in, I don't know, your schedule's huge. It's, it's, it's extremely yeah. full. Um, you're going right. to continue to work on your full-time, uh, job in real estate. Um, but you know, you, this is a, 
you, you're not getting rich off of being a La Mesa City Council uh, member. You know, it's you really do. it's an enormous sacrifice. Which I think, uh, you know, I don't think you know the the guys down in San Diego has they have full time city council members, and of course the county board of supervisors. Those guys are full time, but this is a part time gig for you. You know, that's and you're I, I, you know way, way underpaid for, frankly. Um, and I appreciate you, uh, uh, you know, strong leaders like yourself. You didn't have to do this, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, your life was going great, and you had a fantastic career, and you were having a lot of fun, but you said, hey, you know what, I want to make La Mesa better. And one of the ways you yep. want to make La Mesa better is standing up for the Second Amendment, which we appreciate, but I just wanted to say thank you for that. Well, well, I'm in my pleasure, and it's going back to the early days of America, citizen representation. I, I am a citizen, and I'm not going to make a career out of this, and um, I'm not going to be, you know, you're not going to see me doing this 30 years from now, like, like a lot of politicians do. So it is a citizen representation, and it's because I want to do good for La Mesa. And the, th- the other thing, I, 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 I am confident, there are so many people that we endorse and my first thought is, yeah, I'll bet you they're never going. We're they're never going to mention the the words San Diego County gun owners again uh, once they get into office. I do not. I feel like I feel like this is going to be a great relationship. I feel like that you are going to stand oh. up. You know, we don't need you to talk about it twenty four seven. But when the time comes and when we do need support, I feel like you're you're going to be the type of elected official who stands up proudly and says, "Yep, let's do this." By the way, let's I keep get, let's keep I this keep tape all the. T- we want to, we're going to keep this tape because you said you're not going to be doing this in 30 years and i don't know why mayor i don't know why mayor keeps running through my head so we're going to keep this tape and we'll just wait and see uh, okay michael no, that's well, dave. Actually, that dave. was dave. dave said that I didn't that say was that. dave well and the only reason i oh, say dave. it is the compassion in your voice and what you're trying to do and if you don't see mm-hmm. things turn around the way you want it to turn, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stay well, until it's done, yeah. right? Uh, yes, you're right about that. I, I don't walk away from an unfinished project, but I also don't like to see people in their, you know, I'm the one, I was one of the people that was behind term limits in La Mesa that we spearheaded on 10, 12 years ago. Um, I just don't like to see people, you know, election after election after election, just sitting there. It's like, what are you doing? What's your, what's your well, point? See, it's that's what I just said. You're not that person. So you're, what you're going to keep working till it's right. And one of the big things, uh, Carl DeMaio has enormous, enormous impact on this race. Um, what was it like mm. working with Carl? Uh, fantastic. Uh, he's extraordinarily focused. Um, he before he even started to help me, he called me. And goes, Laura. I'm going to help you with this election. He goes, you have to listen to my advice. You have to be disciplined. You have to make the calls. You have to be out there. I want you to meet everyone I introduce you to, basically, and then, you know, and then don't go off the reservation. And so I did. I listened to him. Uh, I talked to him all the time. He was fantastic. He had a fantastic team, Jordan and Nicole. Uh, I called Jordan, Warden Jordan, because I felt like I was constantly being monitored for, you know, sticking to, to my, my schedules and sticking to my calls and sticking to my exposure. So they were fantastic. Very disciplined. Very focused. All right. Well, cool. Well, cool. thank you, Laura. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah. We'll keep up the good work. Love talking to you. I'm sure we'll hear how things go as the, uh, the roads laid out for you. Okay. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm chopping at the bit. I can't wait to get started. <laughs> Jackson, you want to say congratulations to Laura? Congratulations, Laura. There you go. Thank you, hon. Yeah, that's Action Jackson. He's our uh, youngest cohort, co- cohort, co-host <laughs> here. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> yeah. Cohort, coach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
Yeah, if you need a campaign manager, we'll send him your way. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. While the trial is politically motivated, it seems the Rittenhouse has drawn an honest judge and has a good chance of having a fair trial. More on this next with Joe Dramisi. But first, PRMI Mortgage, primeres.com slash Alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help for a VA loan? If you're looking to buy, uh, refi, or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage, you need to call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. You ready? All right. Sure. <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, we'll talk about the the written out thing. Before I start, though, I wanted to um, to just uh, mention something. We had uh, Amy Reichert on here from Reopen San Diego a couple of weeks ago, and um, they were talking about something they did with the uh, police and firefighters and medics in the city of San Diego who are um, on the verge of being fired because of this vaccine mandate. And um, you know, these people were resisting this thing again, and uh, they're having another rally this Friday, and it's at the Oregon Pavilion in Balboa Park. Uh, it's at three o'clock out there. And, um, you know, if you're available, support these people, because this is this is much more than arguing over a vaccine. And it's not really the vaccine. It's the mandate. It's um, it's the government forcing people to do things that they really have no right to be forcing people to do. And it's not going to stop till people stand up. And these people now, these uh, they say almost a thousand of them are standing up and they're they're risking their their livelihood their careers their jobs to stand up and fight for this so uh, if you can support them please do that so um you know on, on friday though we had a we had a firefighter actually in our ccw class that's an 18-year firefighter he's two years away from uh, retirement and you know he's for whatever reasons he's not getting vaccinated and you know he's on the verge of losing all that stuff so you know it's um it's good to support these folks and uh, see if they can uh, help us end this nonsense so anyway, wanted to mention that. So uh, the Rittenhouse thing. So we actually, I wrote this thing, this article about, uh, I think about two weeks ago. For some reason, we switched things around, and I, it made sense at the time. I can't remember why we did that. 
we talked about something else last week. Yeah. But when I originally, when I wrote this, it was right at the beginning of the trial and they had just, uh, you know, the judge was, um, was giving some instructions to the jury and everything. It really hadn't started yet, but, um, I was looking at the judge and, you know, the article was, uh, the gist of the article was that, uh, it looked like we had a, uh, you know, it looked like Rittenhouse had drawn an honest judge as, as opposed to a uh, political activist type judge. And, um, just, and I based that on some of the things that, that I saw, like he had, um, he had given the jury some instructions about watching out for the media. And he actually came out and he said, you know, we have unfortunately a, uh, a very biased, very misleading, um, media out there. So, you know, things that you might see that you're not supposed to be looking at anyway. Um, but you know, it's intentionally biased a lot of times. And I thought that was really refreshing for a judge to kind of point that out. Cause I, I think that is the reality. And, um, he even called out, he commented, um, about the CNN legal analysts and, uh, mentioned actually Jeffrey, uh, Tubin by name, uh, because of what he said were misleading, incorrect things that they were putting out. Uh, on that channel, you know, regarding the trial and the uh, charges and the things that were coming up. So, uh, you know, it was, I, I thought those were good signs. Um, the other thing he, uh, he removed a juror, uh, for a, a stupid joke that the juror was, uh, even dumber enough to tell to a, a bailiff there. Um, but the, uh, what was the joke? Do you remember? Um, what was the gist of it? Yeah, it was something like, uh, you know, why did, if, it, uh, if it's appropriate, no, it was something like, you know, why did Rittenhouse stop shooting? Cause he ran out of, oh, oh no, it was it actually wasn't Rittenhouse. It was, uh, over the, the person that that riot started over the, uh, criminal that was shot by the police. And he said, you know, why did they stop shooting? Cause they ran out of bullets. So stupid joke. But, um, so was I, that joke pro or anti Rittenhouse? Now, see, I would have thought that makes that. I would think the guy telling that kind of joke would make him more favorable to Rittenhouse. As, and it's, and he still got kicked off. So, right. So I guess what I'm going for here is that the judge is not uh, playing favorites. No, that's what I that's yeah. what I was thinking. That's why I said, okay, it's a it's a fair judge here. Um, you know, and he also um, he again he admonished the uh, the prosecutor. Uh, he told the prosecutor, you can't call these uh, these two thugs that um, that Rittenhouse shot. He said, you can't call them victims. He said, you can call them rioters, you can call them looters, you can call them a number of other things, but you can't call them victims. So it's, you know, it sounded like he was trying to be fair with it. And, um, and I wrote this before the trial and then, uh, we didn't get around to, uh, talking about it. Now they've, they've been through, uh, I think the defense has rested their case. The prosecution's rested their case and they're going to have final arguments on Monday. And then they'll probably have a verdict of some kind, uh, sometime next week. But, um, you know, even throughout the trial, it looked like he was trying to be pretty even handed with things. And, um, and I think that's a good thing because, um, the, something that I'll write about, uh, I think next week, um, cause we're going to have a verdict and I think the verdict is going to say a lot more. It's not just the verdict for this specific trial. Um, I think whichever way this goes is going to say a lot about our society and where we are right now. And, um, you know, whether it's a guilty verdict or whether it's an acquittal, and um, you can see the media already cranking up for this stuff. Um, the one, you know, Rittenhouse shot three people. Two of them died. The uh, third guy was wounded. And the third guy was uh, at the trial testifying. At the trial, he testified that, um, you know, Rittenhouse did not shoot him until he raised his, his hand and pointed the gun at Rittenhouse, and then he got shot. On CNN, on Anderson Cooper and uh, whatever Good Morning America is on, he changed the story. He said, no, my hands were up when I got shot. And he said, the forensic evidence supports that. Well, okay. You can lie on CNN. You can't really lie in the court, 
But I mean, if that was really true, if the forensic evidence um, really supported that, you know, as bad as that prosecutor seemed to be, it seemed like they would know that that would have come up in the trial and they would have used that. They said they would have said, hey, you couldn't, you know, he couldn't have been pointing the gun at you because the forensic evidence is such that, um, that, you know, you couldn't have made that wound with your arm, with his arm in that position. So, um, you know, it's interesting, but you've got, you've got the media teeing up for, you know, if they don't get the, um, if they don't get a conviction here, uh, you know, teeing up to play, maybe to encourage the mostly peaceful protests and things like that. Um, and you know, it'll be interesting to see, I think, um, you know, I haven't followed it closely, but from what I've seen, it looks like it was a pretty reasonable trial in terms of how the judge ran it and everything. Um, you know, some people feel real strongly one way. Some people feel real strongly the other way. But I think if you if you go with just the evidence, I mean, just from the videos, it's it's kind of obvious. Because what he was charged with was um, in Wisconsin, it's different. Uh, they don't say murder. They say intentional homicide and then reckless homicide is what, what he's being charged with. And, um, you know, I think depending on how that goes, I think that'll say a lot about uh, where we're at. So do you think that the the guy who uh, the victim the victim uh, who uh, uh, what do you call the rioter um, rioter number one rioter number two the third guy the third guy, guy that lived okay um, should he have been charged with something um, I you know uh, I would think so it just it depends if you know when and here at least in California I don't know what the law is out there. But in California, if you point a gun at someone, eh, you're going to get charged with something. Um, in a way, ask me or tell me if you think this is stupid. Here's this guy, you know, in a situation. Let's you know, judge him, whatever. It was a riot. I think he was actually out there in a in a in in a different. Anyway, let's skip that part. A bunch of people are shouting, "Hey, that guy shot somebody!" Or, "Hey, he's an active shooter!" You know, pointing at Rittenhouse, mm-hmm. and he approached him. And eventually pointed his gun at him. Is there a case to be made that uh, now he made the wrong decision because he pointed a gun at somebody that wasn't an active shooter? But is there a case to be made that you know, hey, it's it it kind of it kind of stinks for this guy because he all everything in his mind was indicating that Rittenhouse was doing something wrong. He didn't all except he didn't actually witness it. You know what I mean? I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm kind of wondering if I were in that situation, if I were in a situation where an entire crowd was pointing at somebody with who, who was carrying around a firearm um, and, and saying, hey, that guy just shot somebody. That guy's an active shooter. That guy's a murderer, that sort of thing. I wonder how I'd react. Yeah, not, you know, and it's, it's interesting because, uh, for one, they had to chase Rittenhouse down. Rittenhouse was trying to run away. And I don't know where this guy came into that. I don't know if he came into it at the end, if he was part of the chasing. So it's hard to say. But uh, it'll be interesting, though, to see what happens. Yeah, well. All right. Hey, Joel uh, Collender at Rock Island Auction. He's going to talk next, so don't touch that dial. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Joel Colander from Rock Island Auctions is on next to talk about the fine art of collecting firearms. 
But first, we are proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of two-way advocates. They offer elite and self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and they provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. You can join them today. Members get great prices and free shipping. Learn more about them at National Concealed Carry Association.com. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to talk to Joel Colander from Rock Island Auction. Joel, are you there? Yeah, sure am. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm uh, getting ready for uh, deer shotgun season in Illinois next weekend. So <laughs> Nice. Um, and I, think you, I think you guys just got your first snow, too, didn't you? Oh, a little bit. Thankfully, uh, nothing's sticking too much. Yeah, all right. Well, good luck out there. Um, Thank you. What is so? Tell first off. Let's start with the name Rock Island Auction. Why is it called Rock Island? Uh, we are located in Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, also, Charles, a little bit. You that's the home of the Rock Island Arsenal uh, that started sort of our metro area, the Quad Cities area. So, uh, and of course, a lot of people know them from their M nineteen oh threes and various other Milserp goodies they've purchased throughout the year. So, seemed pretty fitting for a firearms auction house. So that was, that's actually my next question. What exactly is Rock Island Auction? Uh, we are the number one firearms auction house in the world, and we have been since about 2003. Um, that goes for the sheer number of guns. That goes for the dollar's worth of guns. Almost any way you can measure it, nobody tops Rock Island Auction Company as far as uh, for a firearms auction house. And that's all. that's the only type of auction you guys do is firearms? Yeah, there's firearms. There's a, basically anything gun guys would like. So you might find, you know, you'll find some militaria in there. You'll find some bayonets. You'll find uh, uniforms. Not very often, but uh, you also find ammo. You'll find accessories uh, every once in a while. Some military vehicles, some tanks, uh, some class three, some NFA items. You, you just never know what you're going to find. Are they live auctions or online auctions, or how does that work? A little bit of both, actually. So we have, um, and it's something we cater to gun owners of, of sort of every stripe, every level of collecting. So whether you're looking for the best of the best, like seven-figure firearms, or whether you're looking for a $500 Glock, uh, we're going to have that in one of the various auction formats, uh, two of which are have a live audience. Our online auctions, which we call our arms and accessories, those are uh, those no live audience. So it's just either call in or uh, we have a live streaming software as well that you can use right through our website. Seven-figure. So what's an example of a seven-figure firearm? Well, uh, this last September, we sold a pair of pistols that had belonged to Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> oh, wow. Those sold for $1.15. Uh, last December, we sold Teddy Roosevelt's silver-plated Colt single-action army. That sold for $1.46. Uh, there's been a number. There's been a string, um, and it's really, really uh, encouraging for, I don't know, for the firearms market guns that reached a million dollars were far and few between and here we're doing it you know several times a year almost for probably the last two or three years so it's been really encouraging uh for for collectors yeah and that was one of the things i was going to ask about too because um you know reading uh, i get true west magazine because i like cowboys uh, right. type stuff but uh they mentioned it might be you guys in there and in most issues there's auction uh, information and it's interesting because uh like you were just saying a lot of uh, i'm seeing guns that were auctioned off in the six figures and just, you know, primarily single-action uh, handguns that were associated with, with Billy the Kid and with Pat Garrett and people like that. And uh, 
pretty interesting that that you guys come across that stuff. Yeah, the Colts and Winchesters are definitely our blue chip guns. Uh, for lack of a better term, uh, those are the ones that are regularly drawing high, pr- high prices. It can either be one that's associated, you know, it's got some sort of real close historical tie associated with somebody whose name you know, or it is just it's just art. There's no other way to put it. It's been engraved or it's been gold-plated or it's been embellished and somehow preserved for, you know, 140 years to end up looking like it does today with us. So, Joel, um, where do you get a lot of these weapons? Are they from families that, you know, maybe the husband or the wife who's been the collector passes on and the family just wants to bring it to the market, and that's why some of these unusual guns are starting to pop up? We do. Yep, they're they're all from across the country, even uh, some international uh, consignments as well. But, uh, yeah, a lot of times you're, you know, dealing with uh, older gents who either this was their retirement plan all along. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to sell it and watch the benefits of that that money come in and, and benefit their family. Um, or they passed and we're dealing with an estate and a widow and trying to really help their family out and get the most uh, get the most for those guns. What, what's your top uh, firearm that, that is uh... – Maybe not necessarily brought the the largest amount of money, but mm-hmm. really, you know, kind of put you guys on the map. Hmm. That's a good one. The one that's been getting, well, actually recently, so I guess top dollar amount would be uh, a Colt Walker. We called the Danish Sea Captain Walker. It's actually been called that in a book or two uh, because it was sold to a Danish Sea Captain by Samuel Colt. It still has today its original bill of sale from Samuel Colt. Wow. Um he took it across the sea to Europe, and when the Nazis were uh, invading, they actually buried this gun and its case, its original case, in their garden so the Nazis wouldn't get it. Um, and again, it's one of those things, how did this survive with the current day? That brought um, 1.87 million still, it's, still in its original case. Wow. That's amazing. So well, that was a doozy, but I mean, anything that has a name to it gets the attention. You know, Alexander Hamilton, Annie Oakley, Teddy Roosevelt, um, Buffalo Bill, you name it. They're mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna bring the names and, and some mentions in True West. <laughs> do you do the authenticity? I mean, do you do do you do the the examination to make sure that the firearm is is authentic? I personally don't, but yeah, we have to have a, a ironclad chain of provenance right. Right. before we can claim that something is what it isn't. I mean, we can't, we want to, we do want to make the most money for our consigners, but never at, you know, never at the expense of misrepresenting a right. gun or having buyers feel that, you know, rock, you know, this is a shady business. No, no, no. It's a, uh, it's gotta be ironclad. Right. That's pretty impressive. Um, you yeah, know, I told you collecting was good. <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> well, and they say there, so they say there's three different, see what you think about this, Joel. They say there are three different mm-hmm. kinds of gun owners. There's mm-hmm. uh, there are hunters, there are shooters, mm-hmm. and there are collectors. And mm-hmm. hunters don't shoot or collect. Collectors don't hunt or shoot, and hunt and shooters don't hunt or collect. <laughs> uh, I might be the exception. I do all three. You is do that, all three. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you noticed though that is there a, is there a a cult a culture difference? You know, people that are buying you know hundred thousand dollar, two hundred thousand dollar firearms. Um, is it uh, are they more gun people or are they more collectors or is it just across the board? You can find some of each. I mean, especially once you get into those, those higher price points, um, you're definitely going to find some collectors. In fact, mostly collectors um, just from where the firearms market stands, you know, the top of firearms collecting you can get into for, like we said, 
two million bucks uh, as opposed to, you know, Ferraris and things, which are, you know, basquat paintings or whatever, like $43 million. So it's not the investors getting in on it. Um, for the most case, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, collectors, occasionally museums. Uh, we do find a difference, though, between I think most hunters are shooters. I mean, you got to sight in, you got to like sitting behind a trigger, you got to like the, the, the gentle art, if you will, of, of, being able to sight up and pull a trigger, whether that's on a duck or a pheasant or, or an eight point, you know. So if somebody so when it comes to collecting, yeah, if, oh, I was going to say when it comes ahead. to collecting, you either have room in your safe for like the really, really practical stuff right. or you're making more room for, you've got all that already. And now it's right. time for something you really liked as a kid or something you saw in a movie or something grandpa had, you know. So what's the number one thing you could advise the people that are listening to this show right now if they happen to have a collectible what would you advise them not to do to this firearm? And I'm talking about cleaning it or, or, or what have you. Is there any in the no-nos that you, that you would recommend? I mean, that's the first part. Um, get it, get it valued, uh, before, before you would do anything to it. Right. Um, if it doesn't, cause obviously now the cleaning's a, a soft spot. We generally recommend not to clean anything, especially if you don't know, right. especially if you don't know the value. Obviously, there's a certain time when, you know, if you don't clean or take steps to restore or preserve a gun, it's going to be gone forever. So there needs to be some steps taken. But um, for the most part, yeah, don't clean it. Uh, don't sell it if you don't know the value. Even if you think it's a really good deal, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> some people have your best interest at heart, and there's a lot that don't. Really? <laughs> no I, shock, right? I know. I, would have, I would have never thought that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and because you know, a lot of people get so emotional when it comes to mm -hmm. collecting, and you know, and the doing the due diligence uh, is is paramount. So, do you charge for these inspections? Like, I say, if someone was to send you a, a, a pistol or what have you, is there a fee to do this examination? Because I know in the car business there is where they'll send a guy out, he'll take a picture of the car, and he'll drive it and do a complete, you know, 10-page report on it. Mm -hmm. You have that in the gun industry as well? Not currently. Uh, there are steps we take, you know, because if it is authentic, and a consigner can stand to make money, of course, we take a percentage of that sale sure. for, for our fee, so we could stand to make money as well. So it's in our best interest and the consigner's best interest if we give at least a precursory look at this thing and say, Hey, you know, is, is this really what all it's chopped up to be? Or is it, right. you know, just another story? Exactly. What's, yeah. the, what's the website? www.rockislandauction.com. Right. How, so how often do you do auctions? Any more? Uh, it, it's tricky. Uh, about a little more than 18 auctions a year. Oh wow! Okay, so people should Those, get on. Uh, yeah, get on that site and stay up to date. I'm sure you can, you know, get the newsletter and the and and that information sent to you as an alert. Oh yeah, and all our you know social media channels are up there. You can sign up for emails to make sure you know when an auction's coming. We do a a pretty good job of making us think when uh, when that's about to happen. So we're about to go to commercial here, and then but we're gonna on the other side here. We want to talk to you more about Rock Island Armory or excuse me, Rock sure. Island Auctions. That probably happens a lot, doesn't it? We do. We do get that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. 
right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, if you have legal matters that involve firearms that you need, then you need to call our attorney, John Dillon, especially if you have questions on red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150 or visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. So we got Joel Collender on the line from Rock Island Auction, and he's giving us tips on what to do and how to do it uh, when it comes to the gun industry. Gun auctions. Gun auctions. So if a family member does have a large collection, Mm -hmm. then all they'd have to do is contact you. Now, you're located out of state, no doubt. So how would somebody, say, in California get in touch with you, and how would that work out? Do you travel, or do you just do everything off of, like, you know, photos and videos and things? Uh, yes and yes. Kind of whatever works out easiest. Um, it depends, you know, on the size of the collection and, and what's worth everybody's time and to make things easier, facilitate things for everybody. So, yeah, a lot of times we you know, we'll fly out and we'll come take a look at a collection or maybe we have, you know, drivers in the area who are already picking up a consignment from, you know, a neighboring city or state and they might swing through on the way through. Um, but a lot of times things can be submitted actually right to our website, whether it's uh, photos there or photos through email, but it's uh, we got any number of ways to get it get it done. Well, it sounds like a good job opportunity for Joe. You know, if you hire Joe to go out to this guy's collection, take a bunch of 150 photos, answer a bunch of questions, you know, then Joe sends that info to you. You guys verify it, and then make the customer a uh, 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 you know a bid or an yeah, option. All you got to do is train Joe up so he has that skill. Oh, right? you know, you know more about <laughs> guns than most, so I'm just saying. So, now you were saying how you don't just sell like valuable collectibles, that you sell like stock Glocks, that sort of thing. Um, what's yeah. the difference? Why would somebody go to an auction to buy a stock Glock as opposed to just going down to a gun store? What makes you guys different? Um, for some of those items, a lot of times, well, I say stock Glocks, there are, I mean, we do have some Gen 5s, Gen 4s. A lot of times you might find a pair of police trade-ins. Well, if you find a pair, you might get a little better deal on them. Or maybe you find a Gen 1 with the with the Tupperware container, things like that. No, you, you're probably not going to find that at a local gun store. Most of the time, yeah, if you're looking for a run-of-the-mill, you could buy it at a local store. You could buy it from us. You might get a better price on it. It's all kind of part of an auction. Interesting. So um, are, are there any additional fees if you buy a firearm with uh, Rock Island auction versus a gun store yeah and that you should always know about when you're placing your bids if you're trying to form a budget uh we charge when you win there's a 15 percent uh buyer's premium and that's if you pay with basically any way except a credit card a credit card you know they toss another i think three and a half percent on there to cover those uh merchant services fees but basically 15 percent so you win a you know thousand dollar gun you're paying 1150 so where are uh, like there's also oh i'm sorry oh, i was gonna say you should also be aware potentially uh, your state may charge tax. Unfortunately, with this that whole Wayfair ruling, now we've had to start assessing tax in a couple different states, actually the majority of states, uh, and shipping charges. So where, like, how do how does a an in person auction happen? Like, do, is it is it 
you know, do we say, hey, we want to have an in-person auction here in, in San Diego and, and then, uh, you know, uh, items are gathered? Or is it more of a, well, hey, we have a bunch of items and so therefore we need to have an in-person auction? Or how, does the, how do the logistics work? Sure. Well, the, all our auctions are held at our facility in Rock Island, Illinois. So most of the logistics are just at one point getting the guns here. And for that, you know, there's either shipping because we are an FFL, of course, uh, or we do have drivers who for large collections uh, may need to pick those up uh, from a, from a consigner's residence, but they're all held in our facility in Rock Island. And it is, I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful thing. When you have one building, actually it's two buildings now, but the first one's 86,000 square feet and a good, at least quarter of that is our preview hall where you can just walk through, Every gun in the auction is set up uh, on display. I should say more on exhibit. We try not to make it just a display. Like we're trying to show you a little background, a little history on a lot of these guns that have that to offer. And you can pick them up. You can touch them. You can shoulder them. You can see what it feels like in your hands and inspect them. I mean, it's obviously you should be able to do that for an auction. You got to know what's going in your collection and what you're going to spend your money on. But a lot of some of these items are you know, museum worthy items in every sense of the word. And you're good luck trying to get that kind of access at a museum. So we say, even if you're not going to buy, we encourage people to come to our preview day. It's always the day before uh, our premier auctions and our sporting collector auctions, just a comfort experience, comfort, education, comfort all. All right. And if you just like, say you just want, you know, if you're listening and you, or you've always had an interest um, and you just want to put, you just want to dip your, your toe in the, in the deep end of the pool um, what's an easy way to start collecting? Sure. Well, I found that um, collecting tends to happen in stages, and it's kind of all what you're interested in. The first stage tends to be, at least for most of us, accumulating. Like you get all your basic stuff, and, you know, you get your shotgun, and you get your deer rifle, and you get your AR, and you get a handgun and a revolver. And after that, it's kind of wherever wherever the mood takes you. Um, I happen to like wheel guns and very, very early Colt semi-automatics. Um, those really appeal to me. Well, you might like German bolt actions. You nailed you it. That's like... exactly what I like. German bolt hey, actions. <laughs> now, let me ask you really? this. I, I have yeah. a, how much is my, I have a, uh, a nylon 66 circa 1973. How many, is that five, six figures? What are we talking there? Oh, at least six. <laughs> <laughs> if you include the decimal points, maybe, right? Right. But for people to get started, it's just, it's what you like. And we always say, and, and a number of collectors, I can't claim this. There are people smarter than myself who said, but if you're going to, you know, invest a, a little bit more money in a gun and you're going to get into this and you're going to, like you said, dip your toe into the pool, buy the book, mm. buy, even if it's, if it's a $500 book, buy a $500 book before you buy a $5,000 gun. Now, what's the book, the inventory of what you're selling or the, or the book on that product? On that particular gun, and there's, oh, okay. uh, the people who have come before us and kind of done the scholarship, so you gotcha. know if it's authentic, you know if it's right, if it has the right markings, you can compare condition, you can compare, right. I mean, all the things that go into a, a collector firearms purchase. So, Joe, let me ask you this, because in the car world, like when you go to a car auction, you know, the lesser expensive and the better deals are like on Thursday and Friday. Now, I know a lot of this is generated by television, but... And then all of a sudden, when you get to Saturday and Sunday, that's when the high dollar product you know goes across the the board. Does that fall the same within your auction, where you know the lesser you know uh, or guns and 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 what have you go 
earlier in the week, or do, or do you save everything for Saturday? No, so our auctions are three days, at least the big ones, the, our premier auctions. Mm-hmm. That's what the world-class firearms are, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, when I first started, I would have said that most guns, like most of those biggest, those heavy hitters, fall on Saturday. Gotcha. Well, then this auction came up. I'm kind of in charge of getting all the, uh, you know, what, what we're going to video as it sells. And I'll be darned if Friday isn't just jam-packed. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to be down there the whole day filming these these big dogs that are rolling on Friday. And it's just... Um, so there's not a, I would say a best day that, that they always sit on, uh, best items. What I will say though, as far as here's a tip for beginning collectors, if you're going through a catalog and that's, it is any auction start from the back, like the last lot and browse forward because everybody's going to browse lot number one, two, three, four, five, and then keep going. And then they'll place bids. And as they run out of money or as they win items during the auction, like they'll be done bidding, you will be competing against less people at the end of an auction than you will be at the beginning of an auction. So there's a, a, a bitter tip we do like to throw out. Can, can we watch your auction online or can we watch it live or you know, via, I don't know, Zoom, YouTube, or anything like that? Yeah, actually, there's a big old button right on our webpage uh, once the auction is started. So once it's live, and that's 9 a.m. every morning, uh, there'll be like a click to watch live. Oh, cool. We'll have live streaming audio video. You can also use that um, in our React Live bidding software so you can even use that same audio video to place bids in real time uh-huh. from your computer instead of if you know if just sitting around isn't uh isn't your thing you can you can get in on the action too How, what, what happens if you have like a really nice item uh but you just don't have the bidders in the crowd is that do you can you pull it or save it or you know you know what i mean like what if what if uh, you're just not quite getting what you what you think you should get for a, a really nice in item? other words you're asking if you can put a reserve on it some of our consigners are able to put uh, reserves on items. We Thankfully, we are of a size enough where we don't really have to worry about it anymore. Um, it might be something you encounter a little more at a, at a smaller auction house. Before an auction starts, of course, we're taking sealed bids, and that's, you know, any, I always joke, we'll take a sealed bid any way you can get it to us except the smoke signal. Um, <laughs> whether it's emails, we still accept fax and snail, snail mail, but you can call us, you can place them on our website. Before an auction even starts, hmm. we might have 20,000 bids. Wow. So if somebody really yep. wants that, that item bad enough, you know, they can bid high enough to try to wipe out the competition. Yeah, I mean, it's the nature of an auction. You, you, yeah. uh, if you want it bad enough, all you got to do is uh, <laughs> beat, beat, beat the next guy. Throw the money at it. That's awesome. How did yeah. you personally get involved in this? So uh, my wife saw a job listing about eight and a half years ago. <laughs> wow. What, what were you doing prior? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, trying not to go back into banking. <laughs> hey, me too. That's uh, how I got into I this. Was, <laughs> I mean, I was substitute teaching. I was doing whatever I could. But oddly enough, and here's, it's a funny story, and I I was writing uh, in my spare time just to keep kind of writing up. I was writing. I had a blog on craft beer. Oh, Wow. <laughs> And just so I would remember all the different things that I had tried and where I had tried them and things like that. And so, you know, I'm taking pictures, I'm writing, I'm posting to social media. And so when this job came up for a guy who writes and takes pictures and does social media, it was uh, it was kind of an easy fit. Are you a gun person to begin with? Yeah, always been a, more of a history person. I think it started probably a little later than most. I mean, hunting's always been there with the family. I didn't probably get into, oh, U.S. military got me, you know, that bug got me in uh, in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, World War II and in, uh, in Vietnam got me in high school, and so uh, 
yeah, it's been I've been kind of stuck with it ever since. Mm. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. What's your website again? That is rockislandauction.com. Rockislandauction.com. Mm-hmm. And right now on the site, you can check out. There's there's two auctions on site. One is the premier auction, so it's top of the line, world class. Uh, there's a six piece set that's owned by Napoleon Bonaparte. It's that type of auction. Whoa. Uh, and then there's also one of our. It's the November 22nd. That's one of our arms and accessories. So some fun stuff, some modern stuff, some guns or uh, caliber goodies that you might find. All right. Cool. Well, hey, it's been great talking to you. It's very. Uh... Very informative. Thank you for sharing that with you, Joel. And we hope to uh, check out your auction, and I hope I don't buy anything. (laughs) (laughs) So My wife hopes I don't. I know. It's called a disease. Hey, folks, stick around for Sam the Gunman. You can't hear it if you don't listen right here on Gun Owners Radio FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Well, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. Let us be your voice and help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight, and there's two easy things you can do. One, listen and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, the podcast, or whatever way you like listening to our show. Two, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps boost the show and puts it in front of a lot more people. All right, we're going to stump Michael's nephew with... All right, man. So uh, our most popular segment, Stump My Nephew. Uh, if you write in and send us a, uh, a question to ask my nephew, Sam the Gunman, and we use it on the air, we'll give you a hat or a T-shirt. If you stump my nephew, um, we, which rarely, rarely happens, then we'll give you a lifetime of, uh, of training from FrontSight. So, Sam, you there? Yeah, how are you guys? Fantastic. Jackson, how you doing? Good. You ready to read him the question? So much ready. So much ready. Oh, man. You're in trouble this, this week. All right, go for it. Steve from Mission Viejo asks, what is a lunchbox gun? Steve from Mission Viejo was that? Thanks for writing in. Um, Now, lunchbox gun isn't a term I'm uh, immediately familiar with, but I want to say it is um, a, a firearm which is concealable, not necessarily on the body, maybe just a little too large, to carry comfortably on the body, but plenty small enough for off-the-body carry in something like a laptop bag or a purse or a lunchbox. Is that correct? Unfortunately, that is not correct. A lunchbox gun is made up of parts uh, pulled from the manufacturing process prior to receiving any markings, including the serial number. These guns were often assembled by factory employees using parts that happened to find their way home with them in their lunchboxes. Oh, I see. And we don't expect you to know illegal situations, (laughs) so I'm going to just preface that question with that. Yeah, I'd never heard of that. I'd never, Steve from Mission Viejo, I'd never heard of a lunchbox gun. Um, Good question, though. Haven't you heard about the guy that 
that keeps going through the construction site with, with a wheelbarrow full of sand. <laughs> and they go through all the sand, they dump it out, and they put the sand back in, and he leaves, and he leaves. Does it for like three months. Turns out he's stealing uh, wheelbarrows. <laughs> Think <No>. about it. <laughs> Cause, no. Well, because everybody same thought same, though. he was hiding stuff in the, in right, the right, sand. Right, in the sand. Yeah. Well, it's uh, – I had never heard of that. I don't even know what – I don't know if that's – like an old question? I'm not sure. I wonder what the context is there. What do you think? Uh, I, I, would, I would think that's probably a little bit of an older thing. I would guess that a modern production facility keeps a little better track of its mm-hmm, parts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It <laughs> reminds me of an old joke from some Eastern Bloc country um, that uh, a woman was working in a factory um, making sewing machines, and she wanted a sewing machine for herself. So every day she took home a different part, and um, when she finally had them all and put them together, she ended up with a rifle. <laughs> exactly. A lot of these, a lot of these factories made all sorts of different things, including arms. You know, we uh, another Magnum episode that's coming up that we haven't talked about is uh, we interviewed the guy who runs Guns and Moses, the shooting uh, club that we help out with for uh, um, San Diego for Jew- the folks in the Jewish community in, in San Diego. And the re- we interviewed him mainly on the fact that he grew up in the Soviet Union, um, lived there till he was uh, he moved there. I think he moved when he was like eleven, something like that. But he had enough information, enough experience to paint a picture of what it was like living in the Soviet Union, and even worse, being Jewish and living in the Soviet Union in the eighties. It's pretty crazy. Very interesting. Yeah. So that's coming up, everybody. So, uh, all right, you didn't get that one. I got to tell you, that was a tough question. I, I can't really, uh, uh, I can't blame you for not getting it. I've never heard that. I've never heard the uh, reference, but there's a lot of things I've never heard of. So, uh, I don't know. I guess that. Uh, you know, I had an uncle who was a longshoreman in Philly, and it was, wasn't really the lunchbox concept, but he had a garage full of stuff that found its way home to his garage. If it fits in the lunchbox. <laughs> That's why they start looking at lunchboxes. And he wasn't limited to guns. (laughs) So listening on YouTube right now, Tom Swan says, it reminds me of the Johnny Cash song, One Piece at a Time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Thanks for listening. That's the one where he he builds the car from Mm -hmm. one from every model year. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That, that, uh, uh, come to think of it, that, that kind of thing, not necessarily with firearms, hopefully, uh, but with other equipment um, has been, known to happen um, at some scale in the military. They call it uh, tactically acquiring something, or they say, uh, like, it it fell off a truck. That's kind of the in-joke for, oh, you know, why do you have 11 M4 magazines? Uh, It fell off a truck. (laughs) Well, see, that's why they have, as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, that, you know, businesses uh, scrutinize their inventory because – of lunchbox guns and other situations and where people took advantage of that situation until management realized that they better tighten up on inventory. Otherwise they're going to lose everything. Yeah. Rules are all started by old guys. Let me tell you. How do you know the the Johnny cash song actually now that I think about it, why do you know that reference? Cultural osmosis. I'm not that old. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my friend. Awesome job. Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate your uh, your expertise um, and weighing Thanks in on this. for having me on. Really tough question. Sorry I didn't get it this time. Yeah. Well, Steve from Mission Viejo, you get yourself a, uh, a uh, front sight membership, which is a lifetime supply of uh, pistol, rifle, and shotgun training. How about wow. that? 
How cool is that? Plus, he gets a shirt or a hat or whatever he wants. All right. All right, cool. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Good night. All right, now we have a, a new segment for the last few weeks here. We've got our uh, newest co-host, Action Jackson. How you doing, buddy? Good. And we have a, uh, a new segment that we call You Don't Know. Well, actually, let's play the intro. Play the intro. You don't know, Jack. <laughs> nice. So it's <laughs> Did you like that, Jackson? Yeah. You Don't Know, Jack, son. That's what we're calling it. Is that a good title for the segment you don't know jack son yeah you like that all right so uh what are you putting this boy through i know <laughs> so jackson how old are you eight eight years old and how and but you're a uh you're a, an experienced shooter now right how long have you been shooting about a year and a half at this point wow a year and a half that's a long time and you go, and you go fairly often right yeah at least once a week at least once a week, which I think means you do more shooting than anybody in this room. That's a lot of shooting. Yeah. Either that or we need to do more shooting. Maybe that's the the lesson there. So you go every every Wednesday, I think you said, right? Yep. And you shoot your Glock. Yes. And what do you like about shooting? I I just liked about the challenge of it and the competition. Yeah. 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 I mean, do, do you look forward to going every week? Yes. Yeah. What did you work on this last week? This last week, I I worked with my set. Um, no. Um, my Glock twenty two. Yeah. And my rifle chambered in twenty two. No. Oh, wow. You shoot a rifle as well. Yep. Now, do you remember why you got into shooting? Not right this second, but maybe next week I can. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. Do you uh, do you think it's something you want to do professionally when you get older, or is it just something you do fun for fun right now? Yes and yes. Yeah, you think you'd like to do it professionally? Yes. That'd be awesome. You I should sponsor him. Yeah. Right. So he would you if we if we wanted if San Diego County Gun Owners uh, wanted to sponsor you would you would you be proud to be sponsored by San Diego County Gun Owners? Very much. <laughs> well, you, you get to fly in a jet. No, you don't. You get the coolest clothes. You get all the <laughs> latest guns. You'll never spend another dime. Do you believe any of that? Sure, he does. Ninety ninety nine point nine percent. Good man. <laughs> I can I can almost promise you another hat. Oh, that's, can buy that's about as far as I you can. You can buy him lunch. That the hat that you're wearing right now, I can almost guarantee you that we'll get you a second one of those. That'd be cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, and, and I, you and I met. Where did we meet? Do you remember where we met? Gun prom. We met at gun prom. Yeah, and you gave me a uh, a little uh, like a little. What do you call those? Challenge coins. Little challenge coin about with your uh, with your pooch with your pooch's picture on it, huh? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I can't tell you. Do you like coming into the studio and being our co-host? Very much. What's your favorite part of being the co-host? All of it. I can't choose one part. You can't choose one part. Well, what do you get to say when we go to commercial? The answer. That's oh, awesome. Don't, oh, don't do that. We'll go off air. Yeah, no. <laughs> <What are you laughs> That'll be the end of the show. Don't touch that dial. Do you practice that when you go home? 
sometimes this morning I was just practicing it and my mom said that I said it in my sleep. <laughs> now who who's your favorite when you go to the Glock store, who's your favorite person at Glock store? Thomas, Brittany, and Brian, Miguel. Those are all good people. So everybody. Those are all good people. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, that's it. That's our uh, that's our segment. Yep. You don't know Jackson. So there'll be more next week, so make sure you stay tuned. Yeah, now you know a little bit more about Jackson. That's right. Action hey, subscribe Jackson. to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, YouTube, whatever your favorite flavor is, and please support our local sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Scott Vincent at Coldwell Banker, Royal Realty at National Concealed Carry, and uh, Jackson, how do people follow you around? Do you have a webpage or something? Yes, I do have a webpage. And it is at servicedog underscore chase. There you go, folks. I want to thank Joe Jamisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, Brandon, and Action Jackson right here on Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.